passage in 1 Corinthians 16. Our culture in the media, TV, advertisements is full of brands and logos and you don't even need the words many times for the popular ones. I have some of them on the screen and we'll see if you can remember them. Of course, the first ones will be about food. What's that one? Amen. So glad you're learning that early. It's good. Taco Bell, what's the next one? Nike. Nike. You're two for two. Next. Yes. Next. That is an apple, but what's the name of the company? Yes, it is Apple, right? Yeah, I was just kidding. All right. Next. Yeah. See how social media affects people, right? Yes. Ah, oh, what happened? Dude, you're slipping. Let's go. Under Armour. Next. Mercedes. I think that's it. Yes, that's it. That's right. So what are, why do we have brands? Why do you re- recognize them? Why is it so important? Well, you know as well as I do, they stand for what the company's all about. And you go down the list. They're either about sports apparel. They're about luxury cars. They're about certain types of food, whatever it is. But they want you in their mind, right? When you see that. Now, I didn't put any of the words because most of those logos have the words of the company or the restaurant or wherever it was with it. But I didn't have those on there because you didn't need them. Because in your mind, as soon as you hear or see that, you associate exactly with what they want you to associate, what they're all about, right? But it also is, what does it do? A brand or logo distinguishes because there's, there's more than just one place to get fast food. There's more than one kind of luxury car. There's all kinds. So they want you to know, hey, there's a lot of choices out there or a lot of things that people say they do this, but this one, this one's unique. Now, can I tell you, take that and apply it to Christianity. Uh, Jesus said before he was crucified the night before, he told his disciples in one of the last rabbinical lectures he gave them, he says, by this, I make that little phrase parallel, this is my brand, this is my logo, if I can say it that way. By this, Jesus says, all men will know that you are my disciples. There's a lot of rabbis out there, and there's a lot of disciples, but you know how they're going to know you are my disciple and I was your rabbi you remember how important this is so you you go to Acts 5 and Jesus has been resurrected back in heaven and John and Peter have been witnessing they're standing before the Sanhedrin and they're questioning them and they said we know they haven't been to seminary they haven't had professional training but what was the conclusion they came to oh these guys have what they were they've been with Jesus They knew it. And let me tell you this. Jesus says, you want to let people know that you're my disciple? Here's the way. Here's the brand. You know what it is? Love. Love one another like I loved you. Paul knew that. 
He wrote about it to a church that was about as far from that as possible in Corinth, which, by the way, means this. No matter where you see yourself tonight on, and where the needle on the love meter goes for you, if it's barely clicking off zero or, you know, it's getting away around the, the metric of it all. I mean, no matter where you see yourself, there's hope that you can improve. There's hope that you can be better uh, uh, all about that. Now, now, here's the catch. Can I just break down the verse for you a little bit? Look at verse 14 again. Let me turn the page myself. 16:14 reads, "Let all you do, you can't see it as well, be done in love. Be done is one word in the Greek. It's a verb of being, and actually done isn't part of it, but it was the English equivalent of what they're trying to think that Paul said. That's the long way of saying this. It means this, let all you do becoming love, becoming. That word in the English, I mean, in the Greek is used a couple times in this book. And two of the times in, in chapter 4 and verse 1 and chapter 11 in verse 1, you know what they are? They're imitation verses. Paul says, you imitate me like I imitate Jesus. But again, it's you become imitators of me. Do you know when you imitate someone, it's not just, the idea is not just, I do things that Jesus did. Jesus hung around poor people. I hung around, I hang around poor. Jesus did this. And so I try to do, it. that obviously is the external part of it. But the idea of it, it's a being first and then a doing so before you get any further tonight, when I'm asking you to say, hey, everything you do in love, I'm not asking you per se just to say, hey, what are some loving things that you could do this week that you haven't done in a while? What are some actions that you could staple on to the outside of your life and say, oh, I feel better about being a loving person because I gave somebody some money this week or I tried to say a nice word. to them. Those are all great things, but lost people can do that. So what's different about it? Jesus says, my brand is different than that. Because here's what he says love is. It's not just doing loving things. It's becoming a loving person. See? He wants you to have a love that comes from the inside out. So here's what Paul says. Let everything you do, everything you do, come from the kind of person that Jesus is making you into because you know him. See, that's what he's after in this text. And here's what he's making you into. The Jesus brand people, us, are people who what? Love God and love others. So tonight I want us to look at the text. There are two aspects of being a Jesus brand person. There is a horizontal aspect to this love, and there is a vertical aspect to this love. And I want to take a look at both of them tonight. Now, if you're taking notes, take your pen, pencil, whatever you do on your paper, in your Bible, however you do it. And I want you to see that there are three times in this text that love is used. Not just the one I read to you, but in the context of this paragraph, it's three times. And they're all important, and I'll tell you why, because they're connected to show you the full-orbed, holistic approach to what it means in Jesus' estimation and Paul's estimation to become a loving person. They are, verse 14, let all you do be done in love. 
And then he goes down a little bit longer toward the end. And the end of the book, he says to them, verse 22, if anyone has no love for the Lord, so there's the second, if you don't have any love, let him be anathema. <laughs> it means this is, this is about love, right, Pastor? Anathema means destined for destruction. <laughs> so you got, here's everything you do be love, love, but let me tell you, if you don't love the Lord, you're going to be cursed and destroyed forever. That's pretty strong, right? Then the last thing he says, and by the way, the only, only epistle that we know of that Paul ever wrote that he ended with statements about love. So he must have thought it was absolutely crucial to tell this church in particular, because they needed to hear it based on how they were treating each other, right? He says, lastly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Last verse, my love be with you all in Christ. So here's the Jesus brand. Paul lived it out. And now he's asking the Corinthians to live it out. And because of that, he's asking you and I to live it out. What does that mean? Let's look at both halves. The Jesus brand is a horizontal love. My cousin was here. And he was, he's from Texas. Now, I've been to his house. He's got five acres. And he's got a horse and... He did have a cow, and he's these kind of like the guy from Texas that was, you know, uh, he does rodeos and all this kind of stuff. He has all that cowboy stuff going. He wears boots and hats and all the big belt buckles and all the stuff that I mock him for. But uh, no, he, he's a great guy, and I've go down there. But he can, you know, I, I don't really favor horses too much. Um, but he loves them. He jumps right on them. I mean, he rode horses so much that about four years ago, he had both hips replaced because he, he rode horses too much. It ruined him. Um, but he was telling me, I said, you know, what about horses? How do you know your horse is yours? I mean, he goes to these places. What if your horse got mixed up with another horse? Or, you know, or he tells me about cows. He used to have a bunch of, and I said, how do you, he goes, well, we brand them. And they have a branding thing. And he showed me, in fact, my dad, when he lived in Montana, who was from Texas originally and grew up there and then was the middle, he was kind of like worked for Marathon Oil Company and really was a wannabe cowboy that really wasn't one. But he, he got all the outfit for it and he had the branding iron and it has WW, kind of like a special made one for our William Walkers or all the guys in our family. And you, what you do is what you think you do with it. You heat it up and you put it on the animal and it burns it into their flesh or whatever you want to, right? And that brand's on there. So you know, now they have a new methodology. I don't know if it's a little bit more kind, but it's a freeze method where you get there, you take the hair really down, really, really low. And then you have a freeze mechanism that freezes it on there. And I guess it's less painful, less long or whatever it might be. But either way, here's what he says. It's the identity marker. You put it on there. And he says, you have to register your brand. So he says, if you take your cow or your horses or you have a bunch of them and you take them to another county, you have to make sure that no one else in that county has that brand. Otherwise, you have to get a new one and re-register and redo them all. Right? That's what he said. And so I thought that was crazy. But he said, that's why, because everybody wants you to know this is your brand only. That's what this passage is. You know what, as Christians, we are? We are people who are marked by 
a love that no one else has, a love of Jesus, a sacrificial love. Can I say it this way? A family love. Look at the text. He says, now I, verse 15, now I urge you, circle it, brothers. Also look down in verse 20, all the brothers. See that? You think he doesn't do that on purpose? He does because you know what he needed to get in that church? He needed them to feel like they were family and he needed to have them have unity. And so listen to this, 28 times in 1 Corinthians, he calls them brothers, family. That's the terms he uses. Another term he uses, look at verse 15 again. Now I urge you, brothers, you know the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they had devoted themselves to the servants of the saints. Paul is almost the only New Testament writer. Very few other people mention the word saints. Now let me tell you about saints a little bit. Saints in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, exclusively meant Jewish people. But when the church came together and it was made up of Jew and Gentile, they began to use the word saint sometimes for Jews, but even sometimes for Gentiles. And if you read the story of how Corinthian church came about, if you read Acts 18, you'll find that he went to the Jewish synagogue first, as was his pattern in Corinth. They refused. They blasphemed Jesus. They rejected him. He says, I'm now going to go to the Gentiles. And by and large, other than Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, and a few other Jewish people, the Corinthian church was made up primarily of Gentiles. Look at the text. Just read them with me. Ready? Look at the text. And verse 15, Stephanus, he says, he voted to them. And down in verse 17, Fortunatus, Achaicus, and he, he names all three of those. Those are all, later on he talks about Priscilla and Aquila. Those are all Greek people. Paul's name in Greek is Paul. But in Hebrew, it is Saul because his name is Saul, like King Saul. That was his name. But you'll know in his letters, even though he's Hebrew, he uses his Greek name because primarily in Corinth, he's trying to reach all kinds of different people. To bridge the gap in all of his churches, and if you read the New Testament with this one thing, you'll read it differently, and it's almost every letter is one of the biggest problems Paul faced in all of his churches was getting Jew and Gentile in the same church to like each other, to get along with each other, because they had all kinds of different views, right? And in this church, there were a few Jews, a lot of Gentiles, and the Jews were feeling bad because they were the people of God, but now the Gentiles are taking over the church, and they're becoming more populous, and, and they didn't like it. And there was all kinds of issues in a lot of his churches and because of that, he, had, he did this. Read Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, other passages, other churches. He went around all the places, predominantly Gentile churches. And you know what he had them do? We're going to take an offering. And you're going to give a big offering to all the Jewish people in Jerusalem. That, because most of them were flat, dead, broke, and poor. And because you're pertaining of the spiritual riches that come through them because they're Jewish and so is Jesus, we're going to take a big offering and we're going to give it to them to show that we love them and help them out. See, here's what Paul's talking about. You see all these Greek guys? See all these Greek people? We're going to do things. Notice it says later on, and they're going to do the work 
of the ministry to the saints. So it either means other Greek people, it could mean Jewish people in their midst, it could be the actual offering that they were taking place in, which he instructs them at the beginning of this chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 16, about taking a collection for it. Here's the point. In the context, when he says, let everything you do be done in love, ready? It's in a context of people who are different. Jews and Greeks, they couldn't be more opposite. Now, you have to realize, in the New Testament church, it isn't that big of a deal as much today. In Roman society, if you were, whatever race you were, that's what community group you got with and, and hung around with. Okay? To be blunt, if you were black, you didn't have anybody but black. If you were white, you hung around with white. If you were rich, you hung around with rich people. If you were slave, you hung around with slave people. And men with men, they did not, you did not cross over on any status or financial or religious level at all. Never. So now you got this church springing up all over everywhere and Roman colonies and all over the cities. And now here's what Jesus says. no. Despite the differences, let everything be done in love. So it didn't matter if you were rich or poor, male or female, black or white. Didn't matter any of those things. Because what mattered was that we were family. But it's a different kind of family. A family that they'd never seen before up until that time. And what the thing that marked them was, that didn't mark anybody else, was this. That despite all the differences... We love each other. Watch though, watch. Not just despite the differences, but despite the disagreements. Look through 1 Corinthians. They disagreed on a whole bunch of things. Most of the time, they were all wrong. Sometimes some were right, some were wrong. He even has to tell them, there's weak brothers and there's strong brothers and this is how you teach someone has a weak conscience, someone has a strong conscience and if they think they shouldn't eat meat that was offered to an idol, see they have all these problems going on and they don't, here's what they don't know. Do. They don't know how to get along when somebody disagrees with you. <laughs> they couldn't do it very well. In fact, it was causing all kinds of problems and you know what was missing? Love. So Paul goes out of his way and spends chapter 13 and part of chapter 14 telling them, listen, they, can't even, they couldn't even get along when they came to church. Here's what he says. Go after love. Let me show you the difference. Ready? Look, look, look right here. In this passage, he says, let everything be done in love. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 2 and 3, he says, you are nothing if you don't have love. Think about the differences. Everything done in love and you are nothing if you don't. He says, if you could have all this language and this tongues and you had all these abilities and you could prophesy and you could, you could have all this. And he says, but you don't have love. You are nothing, he says. He wants them to know 14.1. 1.4, that love is the goal of everything. Now ask yourself this. Is that what the controlling factor is by mo- a lot of Christians on social media? Be honest. Can you, let me, let me ask you, can you handle it? Can you disagree with someone who is not the same political bent that you are? Can you? I mean, be honest. Someone says, oh, you know, I don't like this, but what about the music that you like? 
What about, I mean, I mean, we can't even do it hardly over sports teams, which is ridiculous, right? But how about the political things? How about all the things that are going on in our culture? What if someone disagrees with you on the immigration policy? Well, I'm done with them, right? What about the racial tensions? What if they don't see that exactly how you do? I'm done with that. Really? Yes, a lot of people are. Here's what he says. You know what? Our family has this as our motto. It's not that we don't have right and wrong. It doesn't mean that we don't stand for things. It doesn't mean that we have convictions and we hold them strongly. All of those things are good and we should do all of them. Paul did. He says in the last chapter, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So steadfast, have strong. Here's here's what he says, but here's what marks them. See the first four commands? Be brave, be strong. See all those commandments? He says, hold all those things. Hold to the stand fast in the faith, he says. You hold on to the gospel. Don't let anybody pervert it. Don't let anybody change your mind. I mean, here's what he says, but you better do it all in love. All of it in love. Let me ask you, do you make your point known when you disagree with someone else at the expense of love? Ask yourself, do you have to win the argument? Is that more a motivational factor to you than it is to show love to people? How about, do you react in love when someone says something? You can't be serious. You believe that? Right? Do you react like that in love? What is the pattern? What are you known for? What do people think when they know you? Oh, I've had people tell me about, I'm not going to, I'm not, you can tell me that, Pastor. I'm not going to go and talk to them. I go, why? Because I know exactly how the conversation is going to go. You know what they mean by that? I don't get anywhere from that because it all turns into is one big argument and I'm always wrong. You know why? Because that's what the person's concerned with. Words, are they loving? Sit back and think about today. Everything you said was in love. Try thinking about and preaching this message. (laughs) I had to tell myself, oh, sorry, Lord, please forgive me for that one. Not even 10 minutes later, oh, Hello, <laughs> right? How about the words? How about the actions, the reactions? Try to stop yourself reacting midstream. <clears throat> Change your mind. You're not doing it that way, right? Is it the quality you're known? Let me tell you why that's so important. Because we have normalized unloving responses. On the screen, let me tell you why it's so hard. Doing everything in love is not natural. That's why, by the way, look, they had to be commanded to do it. (laughs) Everything you do be done in love. In the Greek, it says this. Everything, first word, emphatic. Everything, which is the controlling word. Everything in love be done. Become. In other words, here's here's the key part. Everything. Everything. It's not natural. We have to be told to do it. What's natural for us is to be selfish. Be selfish. So we have normalized unloving responses. Well, I had a right to be angry, and you hurt my feelings, and that justifies about anything anymore. 
We think it's okay to be disrespectful because that's what they were to me. Self-righteous, and that's the most important thing. I've tried to teach myself it's more important to be righteous than it is to be right. Then we can be vengeful, individualistic. Love of controversy. We love to have arguments. We love to tell people and show them how wrong they are. That makes us feel great about ourselves. We've normalized all of those ways of going about relationships. Everything in love is not natural, and two, it's not optional. It's not that we love sometimes and sometimes we don't. No, everything, it's comprehensive. That's why it's not partial. He didn't say, hey, love this. Unless the person is really out there and awful, then you can skip that one. No, everything, everything you do to be done in love. That's the horizontal. The vertical, can I just throw it at the end here a little bit? He says, if there are people in your church who don't love the Lord, what would he mean? Why would he put that in there? And what is, he, what is, is, is being loved? Love, do all this thing. And he mentions these guys' names and how they worked in the church and that they were examples of love and you should follow them. He goes, then, then he says, well, if no one loves, if someone doesn't love the Lord, let him be cursed. Where did that come from? Here's why. Because Paul knows this. Everybody who's a Christian put these together. You got, if you love God, you will love people. So here's what he's saying. If you go around and you don't love people and you don't do things in love, and that is really who you are. You're not identified with the marker or the brand of Jesus. You have the brand of somebody else, if you know what I'm saying. He goes, if you don't love the Lord, by, I would say by, by loving people, you will be accursed. He says, you're not, you're not branded. You're not part of this. That's how important he said. That's how important it is. He says in 1 John, read it. How can you say... How can you say that you love God and hate your brother? You are, sorry, a liar. That's what he says. You know how important it is to love each other in here so that when people come on friend day, that more and more people fill our pews that talk like Tim and talk like the people who said, hey, when I came in here, I felt so welcome, so loved because we crossed the aisles, we get to people in the pews, we sit next to them, and we talk to people that we don't really know. Why? Because that's love. So Paul says at the end, by the way, I don't just preach this stuff to you, I do it. So here's a church that chose Apollos over him, even though he started it, Talked about Peter. They put him like, you know, a segment liked him, but there was this argument going over him, and they had things to say about him that they didn't like about him. Read 2 Corinthians sometimes. Paul doesn't really preach that well. He doesn't have a very good appearance. He's not that good to listen to. I mean, this is the people he's taught. They're taught. He says, no matter how much I love you, even though you love me less, these are the things he has to say to them. And he says, I want you to know, although you're all these things I've told you not to be, and this is how you treat me. Here's what he says. I say all this because... My love, may it be with you. Because I want you to know, I don't just talk to talk. I'm walking the walk. Let me tell you a little bit more, and you can't see it. He says this, and I even sign my name with my own hand. Every, most everybody, including Paul, wrote all of his letters with amanuensis. And amanuensis was someone who was like a secretary. You dictated, and he wrote it. Tertius wrote this one. 
But Paul says, normally, I'd have someone else, and, but, and I don't even sign it. This time I signed it. Why? I want you to know this. I love you. And I'm going to sign my own hand with my own hand so that you know it's real. That's us. How about this? this how about this? Become a loving person and let your life be your signature. Let your life be the signature about how you're conspiring. Let's get together and love each other. Let's get together and plan our small groups about how we can be a blessing and how you can see someone's need and you can drop over at their house and you can do, not just because you're doing loving things, because you're saying, Lord, here's what I I pray. Make me, help me to become a loving person because that's who you are. That's the Jesus brand. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to love like you loved, to love with your love. Fill us with that. We need you. It's not natural for us at all, but it can be supernatural. Your love was poured out for us on the cross. You are the greatest example of love there has ever been. Paul followed in your steps and he imitated you. May we imitate him as he imitate you. May others feel, know, and experience your love right here in this church because you're making us individually and as a church a loving people. And we'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.